Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Hello, everyone. My name is David Reed, and welcome to Dial the Gate, episode 152, I believe. Thanks so much for tuning in. Mike Dopood, you know him from several episodes of Stargate from across all three series. I believe he's one of only eight or nine actors who can make that claim, uh, is joining us this episode. I've been looking forward to having him for some time just... uh, a great human being. We met in Atlanta at a at a convention a few years ago. And I've always wanted to have him on this show ever since I started doing this. Uh, but before uh, we get started, if you like Stargate and you want to see more content like this on YouTube, it makes a difference if you click the like button. It helps the uh, YouTube algorithm spread uh, awareness of this show and helps the show grow its audience. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. And giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops, and you'll get my notifications of any last minute guest changes and clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next uh, few weeks on gateworld.net and uh, upcoming uh, dial the gate clips mike is joining us for a little over an hour here um so what's uh, going to happen is you can submit questions to him directly to the uh, moderators uh, i think tracy is in there right now um who are in the youtube chat and they will get those questions over to me to ask him in the second half of the show. First half is going to catch up with him, uh, talk about recent projects, things that are going on in his life. And um, uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about this uh, this gentleman. Mike Dopood, thank you so much for joining me, sir. It's uh, I've, I've been looking forward to having you on for some time, and I'm, I'm glad we were able to make this work. Well, thank you, David. It's so good to see you again. So good and, to see you again. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Here we go. Let's go. How are things going? Things are going well. Um, no complaints. You know, family's healthy. Good. They're doing great. Um, I'm healthy, feeling good, and uh, you know, working on some projects, trying to get some projects going on the producer on the pr- producer side of things, and uh, and there you go. There you have it. We uh, are about. Uh... We're we're a couple of weeks away from a premiere of a film that you are in, Violent Night. This is a a Christmas film. It, <laughs> it is. It's not your mama's Christmas movie. <laughs> Let me preface it with that. Okay. <laughs> um, have, having said it's rated R, but having said that, uh, man, this movie is just a ton of fun. It's it's great. The, the acting is amazing. The action's fantastic. We have the action team from the John Wick. Um, Wow. I did all the stunts for the show. Uh, David Harbour is Santa Claus, and he just crushes it. He's amazing. So he's the from Stranger Things. Most, yes, most of right. us would know him from there. Okay. And, yeah, this is uh, – I, I, I was talking to you a little bit beforehand. I had a buddy who's, uh, who's had some friends who've seen it, and they, they say it's a riot. And like you said before, they, have, they, they 
managed to squeeze some heart into the film as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Listen, this is a fun movie. It is violent, hence the, the title. Uh, <laughs> lots of action, lots of amazing. Um, how, how do I say this in the best way possible? Uh, uh, lots of amazing uh, takedowns of, of the mercenaries. <laughs> Santa's pretty handy. Um, and, and the acting's great, and, and there's heart in it. Uh, we managed to squeeze some heart in there, which, which uh, you know, kudos to our director, Tommy Wercola and David Harbour, man, you know, managing to figure that out in the places where it could fit in. Because this is, listen, this movie is wild. It's 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 going to be such a blast and I highly recommend it. Uh, I know I'm in it and obviously uh, it's hard to be objective about a movie, but uh, the feedback I've heard from people that were at certain screenings from uh, New York Comic Con to, we had a screaming a screening here a couple of weeks ago uh, in Los Angeles. And everybody seems to really love it. That's so I'm really, I'm really looking forward to watching it, you know, the premiere and seeing it in front of a live audience. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Commander Thorpe and what kind of role you play in this film? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Commander Thorpe, uh, I come in halfway through the movie okay. and basically I am uh, responsible for protecting uh, the Lightstone family. And uh, I am the head of security for this family, hence the name Commander Thorpe. <laughs> okay so you are santa's opposition i'm guessing uh, not necessarily not necessarily uh, okay yeah well I, i'll leave that up i need you you have to watch it okay <laughs> basically i'm there these uh, a group of mercenaries uh take this family the lightstone family hostage oh, and okay. i am part of the extraction team that comes in to help save the day okay all right so that's i'm gonna, gonna be... leave it at that so there's multiple levels going on yes. here Yes. All right. Very good. Do you think it'll join Die Hard in terms of uh, the pantheon and, of Christmas um, movies? That's such a great, you know, so many people debate that. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I believe it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm totally <laughs> with you then. We we both believe it is. Um, so having said that, uh, I think it will be. I mean, they're, they're saying it's Die Hard meets Home Alone. <laughs> It's the tagline. And there are, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's some Home Alone references to the movie as well. Okay, that's uh, great. And you'll see, you know, when you see it, it, you'll notice it right away. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I think it's going to be a fun movie. Uh, It's an actual Christmas movie. And it's it's a blast. It's a wild ride. Mike, when did you know that uh, the entertainment industry, acting, producing... Uh, well, chiefly acting. When did when did you know that this is what you wanted to to do with your career? When did this really hit you? Man, that is an excellent question because it's hard to pinpoint the exact moment. But I, I will say this: um, as I was growing up, uh, I, I've always loved movies from mm-hmm. day one. Um, and my brother, who's older than I am, and he, we would rent, you know, in beta. We had a beta machine and then a, v, a VHS machine. And and we would rent movies, especially all these B movies like uh, Mad Max, uh, Escape mm-hmm. from New York, those types of movies. And Mad Max, the original Mad Max, left such an impression on me as a as a young kid. It's a great film. I agree. I agree. And left such an impression on me that I, I, at one point I was like, I'd love to do something and be part of this post-apocalyptic world and, and be able to do. I mean, I just love the concept and how these guys is set in the future. And it was the future wasn't so beautiful and nice it was actually rough and tumble and so i i think for some reason that left a a big impression on me and and it's funny because my mom used to say um 
<laughs> every once in a while she she'd catch me outside in the backyard and I would pretend I was these soldiers and running around and shooting by myself, right? <laughs> Figuring out how to play by myself doing these things and running into ditches and pretending I was getting shot and, and diving into these ditches with you know, obviously there were leaves there. I wasn't hurting myself per se. Um already a stuntman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I think that was uh the lead up to my actual career. So it was pretty funny. Um so I've always wanted to be a part of it and just you know, look, I was busy playing sports. Sports was my first love. And I always wanted to be an actor. I took drama in high school. It was always something that, but I just thought, well, wait a second. How does a kid from Montreal get into acting? Um, and sports was, I was doing well, fortunate to, to do well uh, with my athletic endeavors. And so that, you know, took up all my time. But eventually when that was over, I started to look into acting and that's how it started. Okay. So high, so high school, you went through drama. I did some drama. Yes, I, okay. I took drama. This is Abramovich, if I remember correctly. Uh, it's been a while, um, <laughs> and she was, and she always was was uh, very complimentary. So I figured I had a bit of a knack uh, for acting. But I have to tell you something. I remember my first acting class. Um, I had no idea what I was doing honestly and trying to remember dialogue and trying to portray it and it's funny when at first you're trying to memorize these words and trying right. to all of a sudden the nerves come in and you i was like right. what's going on right i had no idea so i if anybody watches anybody that remembers my first acting class if they're out there watching this <laughs> would probably sit there and go there's no way this guy's ever going to be an actor <laughs> <laughs> well you, it's you you, 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 what you miss as a sports guy, you miss a hundred uh, percent of the, of the, what is it, of the strikes you don't take, exactly, or, or the, yeah, the risks you don't take, right, um, exactly. So you're never going to, 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 if you, unless you step out there and are willing to stumble over yourself and make a little bit of a fool of yourself, uh, how, are, how are you going to figure out what it is that you love? You know? Absolutely. Um, so my career, uh, my sports career ended up being cut short because of some injuries I had. Okay. And I was, playing, I was fortunate enough to uh, play a little bit of professional football in the Canadian Football League. Okay. And I hurt my knee, hurt my shoulder, and then I ended up getting released. And so I didn't last very long. And then I went to the World League of American Football, which was, this would have been in the, in the early 90s, early 91, 92, 93, those years. And then the league folded. And then I thought, oh, what am I going to do now? Yes, I have I have a degree in physiology and and and, and international business. Oh, okay. So I thought, okay, I, I, the corporate world might work. But then I was playing hockey. I ended up playing a little bit in the East Coast Hockey League, which is, uh, you know, part of the professional farm system back then for the Vancouver Canucks and the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, it would be I'd equate it to say, uh, you know, how you have uh, baseball, you have A ball, double A ball, triple A ball. It was more like A. Um, and obviously, I, I still had enough to give. I didn't want my career to get to, to be over with. And football wasn't, I wasn't able to get any more tryouts because of my knee. I was a running back. And I just trying to figure out what to do. And I tried the corporate world and I was just missing something. I was missing, I don't know if it's the intensity of it all. I don't know if it was because as an athlete, you, you're always intense. There's always something going on. Yeah, nine to five, you're not going to meld well with. No, and I tried, and it just wasn't for me. It was doing yeah. okay. I was actually doing well, but I just – just something – I was missing something in my life. Yeah. yeah. And then acting sort of a, a happened by chance in the sense of uh, meeting a, um, a friend of mine who, who has since passed. Actually, he passed last year, Greg Jonathan, rest in peace. And he 
I met him and he said, you know, you got a great look. You should, you ever think about acting? I said, I have, I've done some commercials and I always loved it, but I didn't know how to get into it. Yeah. And then he uh, recommended, he, I was moving, he, I met him in Montreal and I was moving to Vancouver and he's from Vancouver originally. And he asked me, he said, well, you know, go to acting classes, do this and that. He goes, you have a great look and I'm sure your action and your background in sports and and I was a bit of a fighter in hockey as well. So <laughs> fighting equates to stunts maybe. And, you know, so we were just trying to figure out a way, uh, you know, an end for me in, in, in acting. And, um, and then that's when it started, really. Wow. Yeah. What is a role that you look back on that you were surprised, uh, challenged you in ways that you didn't expect or that you approached and had more heft, um, emotional, physical, that that you didn't expect to, to arrive at? There's one that really made you go look at yourself and be like, wow, okay, this is, this is, this is some heavy lifting, this, this content, you know, this is asking, this is asking a lot of me and it's pushing me, it's growing me as a person. Oh, wow. Um, that's kind of heavy, a heavy handed question. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's all right. I'll, I'll come up with something. I look, I don't know how much uh, some of these roles have challenged me as far as, as uh, making me a better person per se, or, Mm -hmm. But I will say that so many roles that I've read, and it, because I play a lot of bad guys, or I play these killers or drug dealers and such, right? And I'm so far from that removed. Right. That's not part of who I am as a person. Um, really enables me to understand why maybe somebody does these things, right? Just because of, of the research that you do to, for certain roles. And um, one role in particular stands out as far as that goes uh, on The 100. Um, mm. I played Michael Vincent. And what had happened was we, we had a scheduling conflict and then they, they create at the last second, we, they still wanted me to be part of the show. We created this character, uh, Vincent, and we weren't sure how to portray him, but remember this guy is a prisoner who's very intelligent. However, he's a cannibal. Oh, fun times. (laughs) Jeez. You know, it's one thing if you're playing a vampire or, or, or a zombie and you're a cannibal because it's expected, right? Uh, you're expected to eat or humans or whatever it is. But when you're a natural human, and yes, it's it's set in a, in a sci-fi world. Having said that, there are some people in, in our world that have done it. So mm-hmm. trying to find research on it was really difficult because it's not really something typical. Um, and then trying to create this character, right? And I didn't want him to be... I guess Anthony Hopkins was was one of my inspirations for the role. Yeah. The fact that he was so calm and quiet and very intelligent and smart and liked the finer things in life, even though this guy's a criminal who was in, in prison for so long and then finally uh, came out of suspended animation, which is the character line in, in, in season five of, of, of The 100. Uh, and how do I make this guy not just an evil person that you have no relationship with, that you don't feel anything for? So that was a challenge and that that was really with the talking with the producers and, and the writers and the directors and they basically let me come up with it and just said wow. go if go for it and you know we'll if it's too much we'll we'll, we'll pull you back if it's not enough we'll, we'll ask for more you know we'll try to figure it out as we go. And wow. that was the last I heard from anybody on on it. They just let me run with it. So that was really challenging and then I guess as an actor, what sometimes uh, 
what feels good about certain things is that people resonated, uh, the character resonated with people. So they were trying to ship me and, and Abby, you know, uh, Vincent and Abby on the show, which is like, you're shipping a, a cannibal, a guy that, that eats people, right? So the fact that I was able to to make people th- actually even think about something yeah. like that, I, I felt not like- not okay, just a cannibal. He has other positive traits. Yes. <laughs> the trick the is day. to make people yeah. realize that there is- that there there can be more than one truth about a person not to say that we're going to shrug this off but i mean anyone's watched game of thrones can can tell that uh there's there's people are complicated and we have there's a reason why he does the things that he does exactly you know that's and then trying to find that humanity of him even if there's one iota humanity if i if i if i can make that come across in the character then i then i believe i've done my job Right. So to speak. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, how did you initially um, get involved uh, with with Stargate? You go way back more than than some people realize. I actually, I go back to the pilot. Um, pilot of first, I believe it was the pilot, and uh, I did some stunt work. Um, Scott Atia, who was a stunt coordinator at the time. Um, and I was just getting into stunt work as well. And he, he brought me out to do some stunt work to play. I, I can't remember. I, I think it was a Jaffa. And then over the years I'd played various characters on the show, but it also was just doubling people or, or just doing stunt work and getting blown up essentially. <laughs> I remember the famous thing that Richard Dean Anderson looked at me one day. He's like, how many times have I killed you? <laughs> right. This- right. Cause you know, you put makeup on it and then you have different headgear on. You have, so it, <laughs> and then they get, they feel comfortable and, and they're able to work with you if you have a fight scene. So it's, it's always important to make the actors feel comfortable, right? Especially when you're doing stunt work. Um, and then eventually uh, I was doing a play and then Peter Deloise uh, saw me in a play and uh, it came up to me after afterwards and said, uh, you're not, you're not like a stunt. You're an actor. You're, I said, well, I was trying to get in, but I couldn't get an audition for the show. I couldn't get in. And uh, eventually, and Michael Greenberg saw some stuff. And then he heard I, I was I was Serbian, so I could speak some Russian and very little. And I could speak Serbian. And uh, so I could portray uh, Eastern European. And and uh, then they cast me as Colonel Chernovshev in uh, SG-1. Yeah, full alert, season eight. That's right. So you had had a couple of uh, a few uh, appearances as Jaffa. I think you were in the first scene where they actually used the Zat gun and within the Serpent's Grass. So that sounded kind of cool. You introduced that weapon. Uh, and as a Urandan soldier in the other side, another Peter Deloise episode with Anne Marie. Yeah. I love this episode. Uh, you were in uh, Revelations as well as a Jaffa. And then Chernyshev in Full Alert. So yeah. you got to bring out the accent. Got to actually be in Russia, and actually, I believe you were a ghoul at the same time, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, he wasn't. Um, it, man, you there might was a be, lot of layers you. in that episode. There was yeah. there was a lot of subterfuge. Um, that was one thing we discussed, and they they um, and I remember with uh, with Michael Shanks and and um, I believe it was Andy Andy Makita and. Was it Andy that directed that man? Because I look uh, full Andy. alert. Let me see here. Yeah. Oh, that was Andy Makita. <laughs> Good on you, man. That's great recall. Phew. Yeah. Uh, I've been doing this a little while. So yeah. They run, it runs into each other. Um, they blend together. Uh, but yeah, uh, 
we didn't mention anything about that as far as my performance in that. They didn't want, I think that was open-ended. Okay. So they, we didn't really talk about that. We didn't really discuss. We didn't, they want, they didn't want me to, they just wanted me to play him the way he was, the way I, I came up with. So. Okay. Straight up. So yeah, yeah that's, um, how, what, how, how often do you, do you, when, when you get an opportunity to play uh, a piece of something from your heritage or something akin to that, uh, how often do you get to, um, really imbue your sensibilities to it and how often is it just well i have to just do what's on the page oh no you have to bring in something um i never just do what's on the page and maybe i should sometimes because i'd probably get more work but <laughs> having said that uh you know if you don't risk you That's may true. not look this is art at the end of the day i still believe it's art so i think if you risk enough and try different things and sometimes yeah my choices end up being what they wanted um or what they what they like so that that works out too and sometimes it is on on the nose right sometimes you play a character and as far as a through line that's what he's supposed to be but i try yeah i try to put in obviously it's 95 percent me and then i try to add little nuances if i can and sometimes i'll channel like an uncle or mm. or uh you know uh friends of mine that are either Russian or Serbian and the way they are, the way they are, their physicalities. And every once in a while, I'll, I'll, cha I'll uh, channel that. And, and it works out very well. My, probably my favorite role of yours, if, if all things are, I mean, I, I enjoy the others, but there's something about Odai Ventrell from Bounty uh, <laughs> that I just found to be delicious because he kind of, he kind of, owns the room that he's in you know no one really messes with him he really is i think that the closest uh analog to boba fett that sg1 had despite the fact that there were a number of bounty hunters throughout the years um you carried that character with such swagger um tell us about getting that role and going to earth and going to cameron mitchell's prom <laughs> <laughs> i know right what a wild episode right I mean, about it right uh well, again, uh, fortunate enough to have uh, uh, Peter DeLuise, um as a friend, as a fan uh, of my work. So, uh, yeah, and I, you know, was an audition like everybody else. And I auditioned and I ended up getting it. And I was so thrilled, I, you know, reading it, reading the sides and reading the script. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this is so much fun. Like, it, it was really fun. And then Anne-Marie DeLuise was there. Right. Right. And then all of the all of the um, as, as Stargate team was there. Right. From Amanda to Shanks to everybody. And I just was like, oh, my gosh, this is so. And doing scenes with everybody there. Right? Claudia Black, you know, and Claudia Black. Him and, specifically. And Claudia was so, she was so amazing. We had so much fun and they were so open and, and, and uh, open to my portrayal of this character. And then we just played with each other and we had such a good time. And yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was one of those fun roles, right? That that you sit there and go, oh my gosh, I wish every every role could be like that. I would have loved. I, I honestly, that would have been a great character to play as a series in a series. Agreed. Yeah, it came. He came in too late. I think that you know had had it uh, gone on for like a season eleven, twelve, like they were talking with Apple, uh, that that character yeah. would have been back. There was there was some play there for for some good stuff. I think so. I hope so. I mean, who knows at the end of the day, but yeah, uh, yeah that would have been fun. But again, story of my career, it seems like I get on a show and every once in a while, it just, it's the last season or it's, it's done in the, right. 
Instead of going, was it me? Did I do something wrong? What's going on? <laughs> what is it that's so freeing about playing villains? You know, especially the ones that have zero like emotional foibles whatsoever. <laughs> it's just, it's fun. It, it, for lack of a better term, it's just such a good time. And, and you get to do things that normally you'd go to jail for. Right. Am I right? Like, yeah. Simulated. Yeah, I shoot people. Yes, yeah, simulate. But you shoot people, or or you you blow up a building, or you blow up a spaceship, or <laughs> all these crazy things. You take people hostages, and then after the scene's done, everybody claps, <laughs> right? Instead of run for their lives, of, instead of having the cops, <laughs> they'll cuff you and send you off to jail, right? Oh, um, so, uh, and it's freeing. Come on, it, it's. I think what what being an actor, what's amazing about that is is playing scenes like this or, or playing these characters. It's freeing. You're able to do things that you can't do in your in the normal world, so to speak. That's why they have what is it? Those uh, so you know how some people have those those rooms where you just go in and beat up, break everything, or you can um, yeah. You know, people yeah, have these therapy, therapy for, right for some people, and, and definitely like when you're able to do all this stuff, you, you come home and you're like, ah. Oh. I feel so much better, you know. There are, you know, you hear people describe themselves, you know, oh, I'm a good person. I'm a this, I'm a that. There is something to be said for the darker aspects of our nature. And yes. not that we should, like, give in to them, but I also think that it's it's a mistake to ignore them. Because if something truly sets you off in a terrible situation that you weren't expecting, you are capable of unlocking certain doors and 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 doing certain deeds either to protect your family or to protect yourself. And I think it's important, you know, that we examine those aspects of ourselves and know what we're truly capable of so that we can keep our swords sheathed. And we all have one, whatever it may be. Um, and in your case, you know, with, with some of these villains, you get to study those aspects of your nature and truly think about, okay, how would I handle this situation if I were actually doing it and what doing can i yet. actually let out but controlled in this situation that's a great point um for me you know growing up uh, uh, immigrant family so yeah. uh from the former yugoslavia yeah. even though i was born in montreal everybody else in my family was born in, in yugoslavia and you know we were an immigrant family poor immigrant family so <laughs> my dad would dress me in like a corduroy suit and, and i'd have my name uh, stamped on every article of clothing I had, right? And I had white hair and broken teeth and we, you know, we couldn't. So I got made fun of a lot. And so you learn at some point, okay, well, I got to have to defend myself. I have to do something. My brother was tough. So he taught me how to defend myself and then I was able to do so. And then I ended up getting respect from that, which is, you know, you don't hear about that nowadays, right? Because it's so taboo. Oh no, bullies are bullies and you can't fight. You have to talk. No, well, sometimes- You can't get walked on. You can't get walked on. Yeah. But having Kids said remember. that, as I grew up, and, and even as a teenager, getting into fights and doing stuff, fighting was always something, not that I enjoyed, but it was part of who I was. And so when I look back at some characters that I've played, and I could I could react to, oh, how would he, re how would I have, you know, 20 years ago or 15 years ago, how would I have responded to this situation? And then I could infuse some of that into the character. Um, 
but obviously, listen, when you're a cannibal or when you're killing somebody, you've never done that stuff. So yeah, it's, it's, that, 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 that goes, the, the imagination starts to take over at that point. It's interesting that you bring that. I'm, I'm getting an image of Varro in my, we'll get to Varro in a minute here, but just as an aside, I'm, I have this image of him in the, the, um, the medical bay and he had this, this trigger where he could be perfectly placid and reasonable. And then he gets into a situation where, I mean, he just, he, he, blew a bullet through a guy at close range no and it was just like that i remember watching it i was shocked because he just turned on a dime um and it's like but it was that fight or flight thing right right you know uh, and you never know uh how you're going to react in that situation and i've been there in these dark situations so i've i've seen guys totally freeze and you that you would never expect Freeze, and I've seen other people that all of a sudden they, whoa, they rise yeah. up, and you're, like, oh my god, where did this come from? Yeah, right. And and so that's where um, I could see where this character could turn, and it's it's fight or flight. I have to save the situation. Right, absolutely. And he's a soldier, right? At the end of the day, he he's at Lucian Line. He was a soldier, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to he's got to eat. Um, yes. One of my favorites uh, from from your roles is Kirik. And this is one of those, don't judge a book by its cover. Um, this was an episode of Stargate Atlantis called Tracker. And uh, we came across another runner, uh, very similar to, to Ronan Dex. We, we, we heard that there were more than just him running around, that, that the Wraith used for sport. And this uh, particular guy... Uh, came across a situation that he found that you know he was not going to he was not going to abandon this young child uh i i love uh this this character what did you uh, what about kirik uh really clicked with you um l- listen everything with kirik and, and the reason i say that is even my wardrobe that I had the wardrobe I was wearing very, uh, I would say Mad Max ish. Yes. With the leather right? and pieced the together and... and pieced together. And of course, Mad Max was a thing. I thought, Oh my gosh, this guy is, is exactly very similar to Mel Gibson's, uh, portrayal of the character. And I thought, yeah, he's tough. He's been through a lot, he, he, but he has, he still has heart. He still has humanity left in him. It hasn't been wiped away yet. Uh, obviously, with Mad Max, the Road Warrior, that, that's a whole different ballgame. But yes. <laughs> the original, uh, he had heart, right? Yeah. And, and and I just felt like Hurek has that, and you wanted he could not leave this poor girl alone. He had to find a way to get it. Well, but like you said, don't judge a book by its cover. And it's because at first you see him, he could easily look as as a killer, look like a killer or somebody that would do some harm, right? Yeah, if he had to, under the certain circumstances, he would. Um, yes. What was it? Uh, tell us about working with Jewel State. Jewel's fantastic. I'm such a fan of her. She's a, a such a good person and just fun. Uh, that whole set was was great. Um, honestly, uh, that's why I love the whole Stargate universe. Uh, well, the whole Star yeah, I guess Stargate universe. The whole of it. Uh, the whole. Of, <laughs> yes. Not, not just, just that one show. That's not funny. just SP, yes. Um, is that they're open and and I got there. Jason was great to work with. We mm-hmm. had great we had a great time doing fight scenes. Um, David Hewlett watching him spew all that dialogue oh in like my a God. Pro, man. 
he was so good and, and jewel as well and working with jewel and and we were coming up and she was very receptive and we came up with some ways to do things and uh will Waring was our director and will was was great uh will has become a good friend of mine since uh that so um yeah jules amazing she was fun uh jason was great uh lots of laughs and doing fights and he he was he's a great fighter too so we really uh meshed well together when when it came to that what what was it like with uh uh working with uh bam bam and his sensibilities because he was he was doing stunts for this episode right yes he was the coordinator uh stunt coordinator um Look, James, I've known for years. We worked together as stunt performers. Uh, and since we've, we've become very good friends, we, I still talk to him every, I want to say every couple of weeks, every month or whatever, wow. but we still, once in a while. And through social media, we connect. We we respond to each other's posts and such. Um, I'm a big fan of James Bamford. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a good person, uh, really good person, amazing, very smart. Uh, and he's, uh, he's directing now. He's, he's I know showing. he's, he's just a rising star. It's, it's amazing to watch him. Every time I turn around, he's doing something else. I know. And I was very fortunate that he's brought me on. He brought me on arrow and a few other things. So I, I, I have a lot of respect for James. When SGU comes along, uh, near the, the end of, uh, season, uh, one, the, the ship gets boarded. Destiny gets boarded by the Lucian Alliance. Right. Um, I was kind of surprised that it wasn't Ventrell who boarded uh, the ship, but they wanted to go with another character, um, and that was Varro. Uh, did you audition for this role? Were you offered this role at this point? Um, um, tell us about getting this this part that extended over the rest of the life of the show. Well, I have to obviously, uh, it, Brad Wright and, and uh, Joe Malazzi and Paul Mully. I, I'm very fortunate that um, I've had a great relationship with those guys and as, specifically Joe as far as um, talking about these characters. So originally, um, I was I was going to read for one of the series regulars. However, uh, MGM had said no because I didn't know it, but my Kira character, I guess, resonated with a lot of people and they thought it was too soon and they didn't think, and then it was this whole thing of like, yeah, but he played Ventrell and then he, but he's Kirik, but he's how he can't be on the show. He can't, it's, it's too soon. There's no way. It's too recognizable. Then, too recognizable. Oh, yes. I've heard that from so many and, of the, of the Stargate cast are like, you know, we had this wonderful thing over here and now we can't use you again. What bunk. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, right. but that's bunk. And listen, there, I agree. I, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but, listen, I'm just an actor looking for work. Right. Uh, <laughs> Having said that, eventually they came up to me um, and, and asked asked me to. I think I did audition for it um, and asked me to read. And I figured they they knew my sensibilities as an actor, and they brought a, they needed something. I guess they weren't going to introduce a Lucian Alliance. I don't believe till season two if they were going to introduce them. And then they decided to bring them bring them in sooner. And uh, I was very lucky that they they came to me and asked me. And uh, I think I did audition for it. But knowing that they, you know, I was on their mind. Um, and then I got it. I did, you know, like every actor, you audition and you hope you get it. And I did. So I'm very happy I got it too. They were taking the franchise um, into, I think, a darker, more realistic to a degree place. 
Um, everything was was just upgraded right down to the the floor of the studio. I I remember uh, James Robbins, production designer, said they built that ship with steel. They built it, you know, to last five six seasons. Um, and the the money that they poured into this thing did you did you see a growth in um the development of all the different trades that were coming together to to bring this franchise to the next to the next chapter yes it was uh listen it was a departure correct uh yeah. from the original uh, stargate and, and stargate atlantis so and i believe there was some backlash from the fans that weren't yeah. They want the original stuff, but if they they decided to make things different and and to go in a more character driven, a little darker, moody um, environment, and which I think was great. I think as an actor, it's amazing because you really get to delve into your character and try to bring out all these nuances that that uh, because it's character driven, right? You, you can bring all these things to it more to it, more backstory, more mm-hmm. feeling. I believe, and uh, I think. That's what was amazing about it. But yeah, I mean, it's all the same crew, like the, uh, Val Halverson. Um, costume designer. She's amazing. She's amazing. She loves dressing again, our, you, by the way. Our, our, our joke is always, well, I'm on a show with Val. I guess I'm going to be in leather again. <laughs> <laughs> she did love leather. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, and I just think everybody, you know, had to elevate their game, I believe. For, for Stargate Universe, for SGU. I think everybody had to, from from the directors to producers to the set deck to costumes, and I think they did. I thought they did a fantastic job. Your relationship, um, Varro's relationship with, with TJ was yes. one of one of my favorite uh, angles from, from season two. And it was a look into this guy who was a mercenary who, you know, came from a world that, I mean, God only knows what, you know, the gold and, and these pirates had done to him. Um, but I I think that, I don't know how much you know about Star Trek Voyager, but I always looked at Varro as kind of like the Tom Paris of Destiny, whereas he, I think we never had this monologue with him, but I think that if we had the chance, I think that he would have said that De- that he looked at Destiny as his second chance. As his as a chance to to get away from um, the the more pirate aspects of his nature and actually do something good with the skills that he had acquired in his life from doing what he had to do, I, I totally agree. Um, I believe Varro. I guess it would be a second chance when I think about it. But yes, he wanted. Listen, he wanted to be part of the destiny. Uh, deep down, he wanted to be part of something good as opposed to the pirate life like you you mentioned you had mentioned and i i think he felt that with uh specifically tj and 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 you know obviously there was some friction with some of the crew members but having said that i i think it worked out well uh in the end and who knows where it was going to go i mean i remember carl binder and 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 joe malazzi both had differing opinions on it uh i think joe was shipping more tj and (laughs) and carl was shipping more uh colonel young and and tj so (laughs) well you got to have your cake and eat it too with twin destinies and and uh epilogue so, yes. uh, especially, you know, later half of the season, because you got to, to have, you know, to see the character in an alternate timeline explored with the older makeup and, you know, actually pairing off, I think, with James, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 
what a wild ride. Yes. Just- it was, and it was so different, right? Cause you, you read the script and they talk about it and you're like, this is crazy. How, how, how are we going to do this? How do we pull it off? But mm-hmm. it actually, I, it worked. So I thought it was, I thought it was, it was great. I thought the, our producers did such a wonderful job uh, bringing that storyline and making it work. But I still think at the end of the day, I mean, uh, I just wish we, we could have gone on because I, I just wanted to know where it was going to go. Right. And I'm sure everybody else does too, but we, we all go on these hopes. spots and that was it. And I'm like, Oh, what happens? What happens? Right. I I'm, I'm hopeful that we will, we will see some version of uh, a piece of the story that, that Brad wanted to, to, to tell long-term, but you're right. I mean, the, the ending was such a kick in the gut uh, when you guys go into stasis and Joel's music is playing, it's it's one of the hardest like twenty minutes for me to watch as a fan because for a long time I didn't. Uh, but uh, it's it's an extraordinary series, and I think that had it been it was very ahead of its time in terms of the texture of the storytelling that it was going for in terms of the pacing. It was slowed yes. down. Now that's normal. You know, so much of that had, I mean, you, 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 you pick up that show and you drop it in 10, 15 years later, people would have been so much more accepting of it, uh, at that point. Yes, absolutely. I agree. I think that they, I think that what they were doing was, was revolutionary at the time. And it was, but it was so, you're right. The fandom responded very powerfully, uh, against the direction that they were going. So many people did because it was such, Atlantis was, was lighter fare. And yes. they were going to go in this different place. So, but what a listen, when you do these darker shows and more character driven shows, yeah. uh, it hits a nerve with a lot of fans or a lot of people that don't want to, some people escape with television and they right. just want to have fun. And I think sometimes some of the things that issues that we were dealing with as these characters uh, may hit a nerve with some of the fans and they don't, they don't want that. They don't want to, they don't want to feel that they just want to be happy. They just want to enjoy a fun ride. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I know my wife, she can't watch terrible things like anything that has to do, you know, especially with, uh, children being abducted or right? she just can't, yeah. cannot watch it. She just will, refuses to. And I understand that. Yeah. Rob uh, Cooper and I, I had an interesting conversation about that. It's, it's something he doesn't like to touch, to touch if he can avoid it in writing. Yes. It's, it feels like a cheap trick for him. Yeah, so. yeah, it's not it's not my favorite either. But I I, I like darker stories and, and you know uh, crime stories. I, there's so many other things, and I, I I guess it's always something I've always been a part of as an actor. I've always wanted to figure out why people do these things or how they do these things and why and what goes through your mind, you know. So it's it's always challenging for me to to try and figure things out. So I. I I'll go more to the darker side, but I do enjoy fun movies. Hence, Violent Night coming out December 2nd. (laughs) (laughs) We're not born evil. Something happens to us. Yeah, I think some people are. And the only reason I say that is I see some kids. I've seen some kids and I've coached kids uh, throughout hockey, football, um, soccer, uh, throughout my life. And I started young and... And I remember as a kid, and you're right, maybe it was their upbringing for the first five years that wasn't great. But I truly believe some people are just not, something's wrong. Yeah, not everyone's well. No, I I completely agree with you there. I don't know. uh, It's tough to say, are are you born evil? Um, Yeah. 
more often than not, I would say it's their environment that, that, that creates this evil spirit or this meanness. I would agree with you there, but I, I do have to believe that sometimes not everybody's born fine or, or normal or, or pleasant for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. And something happens. I mean, we could talk about this for hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm totally down for a psychology discussion for sure. (laughs) General Maximus wanted to know, uh, Mike, what has uh, been your favorite Stargate character to play when you just look at them for their traits and for what they brought to the table that you could make a meal of in an episode? From the character's perspective? I love them all. I do. I do. Uh, I, I, I think... I think Varro would be the one that uh, as far as just the depth that you can get to the character and the fact that I was on the show for a while, the other ones were, were one, one off episodes, right? So we really couldn't get delve into more, but Vendrell would have been fun to play. Even Keurig. Could you imagine a world where, where uh, Ronan and Keurig were going off trying to get some people or save some people or, and that was discussed as well, by the way, I'm <laughs> but sorry. Yeah, could you not imagine that would have been a blast to do? Absolutely. Like I need, I need a person with a certain set of skills. (laughs) Perfect, exactly. (laughs) And I thought we would have made a great team. Um, Ventrell is is just a badass. He didn't want anybody. He was just on his own. He was just going to find his lone wolf. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And Varro, I think Varro had a bit more depth than the other two. So I'd say Varro. But man, it's one A, one B, one C, right? Karen, of- Karen Ford wanted to know, is, was there any trait of yours that you put into Varro specifically since you had a little bit more time with him? Any trait that you share? Yeah, uh, I I think that Varro uh, was very attentive and I, I believe I am with people. And when I speak to people, I, I try to just include that person. It doesn't always work, but I think I, I, I really am into that person. I think with TJ, there was a connection. And yeah, there was an intensity. I, yeah, I think so. And I think I infused some of that uh, of who I am uh, into Varro, especially with TJ and 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 just trying to make things work, like even with Colonel Young when Varro was having issues and could get. But I need to get to the bottom of this. We have to figure this out. And I'm I get I'm like that sometimes, too. I'm a bit stubborn. So uh, <laughs> I think some I of the stubbornness, no, that's a... some of the stubbornness got in there. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Karen also wanted to know, uh, can we anticipate any more uh, uh, any more uh, Hallmark Christmas movies or the like uh, in the future? Um, it's, a, it's such a departure, right, from, from the world. <laughs> and hi, hi, Karen, by the way. Uh, you're a sweet person. Um, uh, I don't – I think I had one just come out, but uh, I haven't done any other uh, – none in the last, like, six months or so. Okay. Uh, so I don't know. Um, I'm working on some of my own stuff, trying to get some of my own projects off the ground. So, uh, and I, I, it's still more of a, I, yeah, just trying to get my own projects off the ground. So if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Well, if there's any way that we can help with that, I, I am all here for you as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I'll reach out to you guys when the time's right. Absolutely. Last question from Karen. When can we expect you back to St. John's, Newfoundland for another convention? Any conventions <laughs> on the horizon? No, uh, I haven't. I stayed away from convention. I did the Stargate uh, yeah. convention. Um, when was that? Gatecon. September? Gatecon yep. was September. Was that? Am I right? Yep. Yeah, that's it. That was it. So, that's the last one I've done in years. So I, I think now that my, my kids are getting older and I, I'm not as involved with the coaching, uh, 
as my, my son's 18 and my daughter's going to be 14 soon. Wow. Um, so I, I know time flies. Fast. So I, I believe I will start uh, trying to get out there. So yeah. Hit All me right. up, Karen. Hit me up. <laughs> Lock watcher. Um, what is uh, one of the tougher stunts that you achieved that, uh, that you remember doing? That was one of the tougher ones that you did. Uh, man, there's, there's a few, uh, I, I did a car hit, oh. on show, which, which was not, was daunting was like, okay, maybe I don't want to do too many of these. What was this? What project was this? Um, it's called, I believe twist of fate. Okay. And I was doubling, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? I just drawing a blank. Michael, uh, Michael, um, Ironside, Michael Ironside. Okay. And and, uh, and and I was doubling him, and we had to do this this sequence where I run out in the street, and a car comes and hits me, and I go flying. And that was doing that the first time. I've done a couple car hits. That was that was daunting. Uh, you know, high falls are always a little scary. I did a good one for um, uh, Walking Tall, and uh, we got nominated for the World Stunt Awards for that one. So that was wow. A, yeah. yeah, that was a tricky one, and there was three different separate things to it and me bouncing off a pipe going through these cylinders and then actual high fall and then landing on these on these uh steel grates that they're able to file down so that they didn't tear our arms apart uh oh man tana y reed was the rocks double at the time so we did that together we rehearsed and that was that was a blast that was it was fun trying to come up with a way to do it and and our, our stunt coordinators were fantastic and kept us safe i mean listen some stunts are just hurt you're gonna innately get a bruise or you may break something you may you know separate something and there's no two ways about it you're gonna walk away and you're gonna walk away in pain yeah wow so then there goes advil and uh right (laughs) bam bam uh for an episode of sgu called cloverdale there is there's a car hit and i forget the name of the stunt performer for that episode but he did an amazing job um the they they did it in one take uh and he he hit the he hit the car in a, a position that he wasn't that they weren't planning, right? And he in, he really injured fair. himself. Um, yeah. But they got the shot, and they're like, "We're not gonna we're not gonna do another take of that." And it's just one of the and we you see the hit on on camera uh, from beginning to end in the behind the scenes clip. It's just like the the work that some of those guys put themselves through just to be thrown in front of a situation like that and Absolutely. walk away with a smile on their face and a little bit of money in their pocket wow you know it, it, it's crazy and it's it's not for everybody it's not for the faint of heart um most people the stunt guys are people that that have loved doing things like that they were always the first guy to jump off a cliff into the into the lake or you know, we're, or we're fighters or martial artists um, or ex-pro athletes, guys that, that love that juice, that, that intensity, that, that adrenaline, uh, for lack of a better term. Because, listen, uh, it's not just about being crazy in a daredevil, right? It's not just right. doing – they're not all daredevils. Not all stunt guys are. And I know a lot of stunt guys that don't like heights or – now, as I as I've gotten older, I don't like heights as much as I used to. Before, I was doing high falls, no problem. But mind you, I don't do stunt work anymore. So, right, uh, you know, I focused on my acting career. But having said that, I still do fight scenes and do a lot uh, of my own things. So um, it's a different mentality, and you have to be 
you have to be very prepared and it's not a perfect science. So like doing a car hit, you try to figure out what could go wrong, try to minimize that. But at the end of the day, it may go wrong. So how do you protect yourself? What can you do to, to help yourself? And there's only so much you can do. And sometimes it happens and, and hopefully it doesn't happen too much in your career. Yeah. You can, you can pre-plan and then at this point, we've just got to execute it and let the chips fall where they may. We've, we've, we've tightened the boundaries as much as we can. Yeah. If you take a half a step wrong, you know, uh, or, you know, yeah. one direction as opposed to one way, or if the driver drives two miles an hour faster than he's supposed to, mm-hmm. that could catapult you in a different way. So it's, it's so hard to do. And that's why I, I listen, I have a lot of respect for stunt people. Um, I was one and I, I don't think you ever lose that. I think you're always a stunt guy at heart, but I have a lot of respect for the guys because uh, the talent, level now too is amazing these guys are such great performers wow uh raj uh, luthra how different was it from being involved in starcade when you were on uh involved in smallville very different kind of show oh yeah totally different uh once more comic book obviously yeah. and sci-fi right uh however they they intertwine sometimes and and these worlds meet uh, but yeah, and Smallville was fun. It was that was more of a again just fun stuff to do. Um, yeah, had some some fun fight scenes. I did some stunt work originally, and then it was uh, played security guard George. I think it was. I can't remember his name because <laughs> it changed. The reason I say that is because it we were coming up with a name, and then it changed a couple times, and then it finally <laughs> George. So, have uh, you auditioned uh, at all for Star Trek in Toronto? Yes. Uh, I want to say a couple times. Okay. Uh, I'd love to see you on that. Uh, thanks. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, it didn't go my way, but that, that's the story of an actor. Like, you can't get everything, and and you, you fail a lot until you get the you know the right role for you. So, um, but yeah, I'd love to work with them. Yep, absolutely. Started blasting. <laughs> Interesting names. I uh, really enjoyed your work in Stargate. As an actor, where do you think you took a turn and really hit your stride uh, in your career. What do you think? Uh, thank you, by the way, um, I would say when I started doing plays again, um, mm-hmm. not, not just in high school, but what, which was around that same time when I was doing stunt work, but I had made a conscious choice that I was already, my body was beat up from, from the, the pro sports and such. So I was like, I don't know if I have, you know, many years left. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a cripple when I later yeah. on, I don't be, you know, you know, walking with my knee, even though I, I'm doing great right now. Uh, I had some surgeries to fix some things, so it's all good. Uh, but that was pretty much around then with the Stargate time that I uh, focusing on plays. And I worked with a, an acting coach called Larry Moss. And it was almost like, cause being a stunt guy, listen, um, Casting directors aren't really fans of stunt performers as as actors. Now I think that's no. changed. Now, no, no, they because they don't think uh, stunt guys study, and, and a lot of them didn't. And because you're you're brought in to do the freeze, you know, or I'll shoot that kind of stuff, right? You're always brought in for these certain. And then, be, but I did study. I studied with Larry Moss. I studied with uh, Michelle Danner, who were really great for my career. And Larry Moss, who's coached some Academy Award winners, uh, for me was the one that just sort of um, enabled me to appreciate who I was as an actor and what I had to offer. It gave me sort of the permission um, 
that, hey, you're an actor, you can do this, you have the tools and you're showing them right in front of doing by doing plays and by working. And I'd work with Larry a lot. So I would probably say that gave me the confidence. And then having people like Peter DeLuise and Andy Makita, right. and, uh, those guys sitting there saying, we, we want to cast you. What do you think? And I was like, I'd love to, I'd love to work with you. And they gave me the freedom to, uh, to not look at myself as a stunt guy just trying to act, to just look at myself as an actor. That's a good point. It's it's so much about the connections that you make and and getting yourself out there in front of a in front of an audience and giving yourself a chance for exposure because you never know who's watching. Exactly. He's so true. Mr. Rick Kramer would like to ask about Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Gage Farine, standing tall, right here. Yeah. Oh my oh, gosh. Uh, I that was loved fun, that role. Gage was such uh, an asshole, for lack of a better term. Um, Man. He was. He just didn't care. Beating down uh, uh, officers. Hero. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't care. And No. Specialist Gage was a guy that was looked after himself. That's all he cared about. He didn't shit about anything else. And that's the way I approached him, I think. And I think it was right. I think that was the tone and that was uh, what was uh, necessary from, from Gage. As far as the through line, yeah, he was he was a he was an asshole, and it's it's a situation where you know you you've seen this. We're just at that point getting to know the crew of the Pegasus, and yes. just how much when you don't have an Adama as your leader, when you have an Admiral Kane, just just how left to their own devices these people were in certain yeah. situations where she would just look the other way, and it's it was scary stuff. That was really yeah. intense. It was. And and it was fun to play. And and, and Tomo and, and Aaron were great. And yeah. We have such a, a wonderful community in Vancouver as far as actors and yes. very giving actors. So whenever you get a chance to work with these guys, uh, um, these people, it's it's amazing. And I always can't wait. And then, you know, the crew, I tend to know a lot of the crew in, right. in Vancouver. And I mean, I have, I've worked a lot in New York and Los Angeles, but, and it's great there too. Having said that I've done most of my work in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's always great to run into the same crew uh, members and, and that you've worked with over the years. And, um, and Battlestar was a great show as well. Like look how lucky I am. Am I right? And like when, yeah, you're in a scene, you're in one and a half scenes, you know, one scene. And it's such a potent moment that they're like, let's bring him back two seasons later. You know, (laughs) that's great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And it was, there was a big writer strike going on at the time. Yes. Um, When, when they're, when, when uh, Battlestar had their last season and some of the actors were casting other shows and then I was doing something else, but we were able to work it out that I was able to do some. So uh, I was glad that it did work out because yeah, it was nice to come back to the show. Absolutely. And Wayne Rose, who was a director on it, is is a good friend of mine uh, as well. And I just saw him a couple of weeks ago. We had uh, dinner together. So and, and so, yeah, you build relationships on these shows, and and luckily, you know, these people still stay in touch with me and and uh, or respond to my emails and such. So well, when you have a job that needs to get done, like like in pretty much any industry, and you know of someone who can do it and who who fits. The, the, a who who fits the part, but B you know that they're going to pull it off. Why not call right. them? You know, yes. it's what a lot of that comes down to. I would think. So I think so too. I think it works. I think it's uh, very important, and I can see why a lot of actors, especially uh, like 
say Adam Sandler or whoever. Yeah. Right to work with, they work with the same people because they, it's fun. They, they're not getting any BS. They're sitting there having a good time mm-hmm. and they're getting the job that they want. They're getting the work that they want out of the actors. And, and it's, and at the end of the day, nobody likes to go to work where, where the, the it's toxic, where right. everybody's at each end. Unfortunately in the film industry, they happen sometimes. And yeah. There are shows I've been on, and I'm not going to name names, right. but like sitting there, you could see the, you could see that like, they don't even like each other. I don't think the, yeah. the crew, I don't think the cast even like each other. And isn't that sad? But and there's they so much money at stake. I know. And then they all regret it at the end of the day afterwards. But as I've gotten older, I realize, okay, well, enjoy every moment because you never know right. which show is going to be that one. And if it's a bad show, just do your job and go home. Yeah. Or you know the the opportunity that you're you're missing, uh, uh, not enjoying a, a show that, on the output at the end of it, you know you're really going to regret behaving this way in this part of your life when all is said and done because you have something in your hands here that's of that's of quality and you don't even see it. Yeah, and I don't care how uh, how bad you are, or how tough you are, or how uh, egotistical you are. There's going to be a point in your life at some point you might you might be 85 years old. Yeah. But you'll sit there and go, you know, maybe I shouldn't have been such a dick or an asshole yeah. <laughs> people. And I truly believe that. I, I have to believe that. Yeah. Philippe Cannot. Hi, Mike. Um, the evolution of Varro along SGU season two lines was something uh, to, to behold. I liked where the season was going. But the idea of different clans within the alliance was was really cool. The, the One of the things that, that I think that, that season two really got uh, – pushed to the forefront this is a culture that we'd seen off and on throughout uh throughout sg1 and just a little bit at the end of season one of sgu but there was a lot of infighting uh and a lot of those clans really came apparent in in season two of the show where not only were they were, were they brought together by kiva to do this mission but they're their goals in and of them for each individual group were not all the same so there was a lot exactly. of chaos there. Which brings out the character-driven uh, roles, right? Which helps bring out more of this stuff, the dysfunction, um, how you have to work with people that you don't like necessarily, and you don't have the same vision or the same goal. And and that's what, to me, that's interesting. Absolutely. But uh, yes, l- listen, with, with Varro and the way the scripts were going and, and where his character was going was mm-hmm. – um, we talked with Joe Malazzi, which was interesting because I think he coined the term. He's like, "What's well, kind of interesting?" He goes, "Not a lot of people can pull this off." He said, "You're you're you're a killer with a heart." <laughs> right. thought, oh my gosh, that, that's Faro. That's so I'm good. So sorry, I've got and to I do told this. Him I'm gonna use, and I told him I'm going to use it. So I think I've used it a couple times. Oh, that's funny. Tracy <laughs> says it was a pleasure to meet you at GateCon. I was wondered, have you ever considered writing your own script or pitching an idea for a movie or miniseries? That's what I'm currently doing that right now. Can you give us a hint, a genre or like what, what, what kind of direction? More, more uh, like again, to... more character driven stuff, more okay. drama. And I do have a, a feature film that is a, a comedy that is written. Uh, a good friend of mine has written it, but we were coming together and we're trying to, to um, start our pitches in the new year. So uh, we're just tweaking the script and yeah, there's a, there's a comedy feature. There's a series um, I just, I, I just don't want to talk because there's NDAs of involved. Of course, in absolutely. I can't mention their titles or such, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And then there's uh, another uh, 
a series that I'm trying to create. I'm just starting to think up of the storylines. So that's where I've been busy trying to come up with certain things uh, on my own. And uh, I'm very excited about where this could go. I had some good meetings uh, this past week in, in, in Los Angeles. Um, so yeah. So hopefully something new. Good for you, man. Absolutely. Well, I, I wish you all the best in that. And please keep us, uh, keep me updated so we can uh, continue to, to push your stuff on dial the gate. Absolutely. Um, yeah. This is, this is cool. Um, Mama Knox, Erica, uh, would you consider doing event an event uh, or a convention in the UK? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. I'm uh, in. <laughs> uh, Alaskan ballistics. Think, oh, before, before, yeah. sorry to cut you off. Um, I was supposed to, I can't remember the, the convention. I was supposed to do two conventions prior to COVID and then they were canceled. Was it Kalman? Yeah. Well, that was one of them. And I can't remember the other one offhand. I think it was in Mexico, maybe. I, oh, I wow. That would be cool. But yeah, so I think it was Calma. And then the the, the uh, pandemic happened. And then that darn yeah. pandemic, it got in the way of everything good. Yeah, I don't even count those years. <laughs> the before <laughs> times. Years, yeah, the before. I said, I'm always saying something like, yeah, it was a couple years ago. No, it was four years ago. Well, right, exactly. <laughs> People do that a lot, too. We were, we were in stasis, you know? We didn't know what was going to happen. Now it's time to get back to life. All right. Uh, uh, Alaskan ballistics. Um, Mike, if there is another Stargate, if Brad does get uh, to to get his his next uh, series off the ground with with Amazon, because he's he's written a pilot for a fourth. Um, would you like to be involved? And um, if if you had your pick, how would you how would you like to be involved? Would you like to write, perhaps? Uh no, I'll leave that to the great writers. Uh, <laughs> okay. I have uh, a lot of respect for Brad. He's such a great writer. Um, yes. So for me, uh, no, obviously, if if they'd have me, I'd love to act on the show. I'd love to be part of the show, uh, be it Varro, whichever, you know, vision that they have. But yeah, I'd love to. Listen, there's been a lot of years that have passed since then. But if they're still open to it, I'm in. I'm all in. I have had this going theory that uh, the Lucian Alliance uh, guys and Kirik are all like the same kind of temporal being. <laughs> that you've, you've you've got you've you've you are some form of alien with a thousand faces across all the different galaxies. Uh, that's uh, funny. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> well, Joe. Joe was trying to come up with a way to describe Joe Malazzi. That is uh, to describe how. I came to be as Varro. And so I, he had it worded perfectly. I can't remember exactly how he put it, but uh, that, that was going to be his ex- explanation to people as to how, how, how could I possibly be Varro. He's at least Odai Ventral's cousin. Yes. <laughs> I think it's along those lines. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Oh, uh, gosh. Um, uh, William Ahrens, uh, what did you feel about your character Jaworski in Continuum was that character similar to uh, uh, the ones from Stargate at all? I've not seen Continuum. No, no. Uh, who would he be similar? He'd be similar to probably Ventrell. Okay. I would say uh, Odai Ventrell. That would be as close, but not really, because Jaworski was a ruthless killer and uh, a, a criminal and never didn't apologize for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, another person that is out for themselves. And, mm-hmm. uh, 
but he was a badass. He, he Jaworski was a badass. He he was evil. He could be evil if he had to be, and um, was was a great. Uh, he was a killing machine. Mm. So uh, I had fun playing that role and uh, a few things I ended up on another show. So there's certain things that happened, but they brought me back for a, a great one-off episode. Um, I think it was season three, if I remember correctly. Um, and, uh, and that was a blast working with them. Obviously Simon Barry um, is, is a, is a friend of mine and producer and showrunner of the show. And yeah, and he was great. And Rachel was fantastic as well working with her. So yeah, I, I enjoyed playing Jaworski. Absolutely. It's a lot to be thankful for. A lot of these, a lot of these cool parts that you get. And uh, especially with these genre shows, you know, people, we, we get to watch and go, Hey, it's Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm so lucky that people do bring that up. So again, uh, yeah, I'm very fortunate and El- grateful. Elizabeth Lee. Um, what was Stargate like compared to some of the other uh, Vancouver projects? You've got you've got a show, a, f- a team of people that did 17 seasons of television. Was there a level of professionalism there that was consistent compared to like some of the other projects that you may have been a part of up there? Was there anything that set Stargate apart? Y- yes, obviously. It, it was such a well-oiled machine. Um, they'd been doing this together. They knew they knew exactly what they were doing. Mm. There was never a question. I mean, listen, there's always some character things that you, that you go through and every show has its own little uh, challenges per se, but no, they, they, it was, it was an amazing well-oiled machine and uh, they, yeah, I know they try to make everybody happy. So yes, mm-hmm. uh, that probably set us up. But again, the, the other shows were great too. And, and sometimes when you're the first season of a show, it takes a while to get that going. Right. So it's not fair to judge uh, some of the other shows. Yeah, they're figuring far, stuff out. They're figuring th- stuff out. I'm yeah. sure first couple of years of Stargate wasn't exactly <laughs> a walk in the park. So, For sure. um, but having said that, yeah, Stargate was one of those shows that was such a well-oiled machine that it, it just moved itself. And then lucky to have some great actors that, that wanted to be there and work with each other. So yeah, that's why it stands out in, in some ways. Yes. That's cool. Jess Marshall, not not a question, but I just wanted to let you know I've loved you in so many of your roles on multiple shows. So so thank you for doing Don uh, the thank Gate. You. So thank you, appreciate it, sir. It has been uh, a privilege uh, to have you on, spending uh, some of your Saturday afternoon with us, and it's uh, going going through these uh, these stories together for characters that you have created that we we love to hate and love to hate and then come to love. You know, it's uh, uh, it's 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 a privilege to have you on. And I really appreciate you taking the time. Well, uh, I'm very grateful to you for bringing me on the show and, and grateful to everybody. The fan, thankful to uh, all the fans that watch and uh, that's, you know, Stargate's been gone a while. And right. People still talk about it and people are still it still resonates with people. And and having said that, uh, again, I, I'm very thankful that that people still watch some of my stuff and from Stargate and my new stuff and they follow me throughout. So um, again, I'm very lucky and thanks for having me. This was fun t- uh, talking again. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to violent night. I think yes. Violent night, December trip. 2nd. <laughs> Opens December 2nd, theatrically universal pictures. Go see it. <laughs> I appreciate your time, sir. All right, David. Thank you. My friend. You be in touch. I'm going to wrap up things on this end. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Be well. All right. Thanks, Dave. You too. 
Mike Dopood, everyone. Nine different roles from Stargate. Uh, a, a, the, the roles that are confirmed on the, the Stargate uh, wiki are the, um, an unnamed Jaffa in Within the Serpent's Grasp, as well as Family, the Iranian soldier on the other side, a Jaffa in Revelations, Colonel Chernoshev in Full Alert, Odai Ventrell in Bounty, a Janai soldier in Coup d'etat, we didn't talk about the Janai, uh, Kirik in Tracker, and of course Varro in, in SGU. Always uh, great to have uh, some time with Mike. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, if you enjoy the show, please uh, give us a like. It uh, it makes a difference and and gets the word out there about the show. A couple of questions were uh, left over from me last time, and I did not get to them, as I often forget about myself. Um, so for David from Tune Tamasha, does anyone know where exactly the can in Canada U.S. the SG One Abydos? Uh, area was filmed. Uh, Carcross Desert, Sand Dunes National Park, Farewell Canyon. Sand- there was a, there was a plot of sand. There was I I and I need to speak with the production people about it. And all I know is it was shrinking year over year that they used for Abydos until it like was reduced to this postage stamp. And I'm not exactly where it was uh, in the Vancouver area, but that's basically where they they shot. Uh, the the scenes for the dunes um i didn't really know if it exact i didn't really know what its name was um but i don't think it exists anymore that's the problem with a lot of the the stargate locations they're just they're just no longer around and it's it's so disappointing uh because when we were up in vancouver for GateCon, uh we went to a lot of those locations to get some footage of them and they just don't they just don't exist anymore like the the village uh from uh, what was the episode in season seven where the link was resetting everybody um, re- revisions. It's the same location that was, that was uh, used in Atlantis for um, uh, the episode that, that Lucius Lavin came back in irresponsible. And that location was torn down. And it's like, why, why it's, it's a beautiful location. I mean, it couldn't been more than more than 10, 20 years old. And, you know, but, you know, new development. The same thing uh, happened with the uh, uh, Satita and that that area that was used. Oh my God! That we dialed Pittsburgh in uh, SGU. Um, it was it was cleared for new development, and so I guess it's just there's there's nothing that you can see. So it's gone. Teresa MC, uh, have you gotten any new items for your shelves in the back? Yes, for season three specifically. Got this guy here uh, from oops, 3dtech.pro. Uh, this is uh, my second replicator. This is uh, the B configuration or type 2 configuration, if you want to call it that. Um, and this, uh, I think this guy was introduced in Enemies, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, every replicator before then had been more of the spider type, but this one was uh, introduced for enemies and i think uh saw it again in um the episode that introduced uh reese menace so 3d tech.pro provided this uh guy you can go to their website uh if you want one as well you know it's one of these things where you see 
I never thought I would hold one. Uh, and then we get 3D printers, and then we get good 3D printers and good artists to make some some cool stuff with them. And now, here they are, willed into solid reality. Shipping's a bit of a bear, let me tell you, because of the legs. They tend to break. Martin Wood is going to be joining us in 45 minutes. Uh, uh, that's going to be at uh, 2 o'clock Pacific time, 5 o'clock uh, Eastern time. And we're going to be discussing more Stargate. So if you want to join us for that, we would love to have you. Um, let me see here. And Dial the Gate is brought to you every week for free, and we do appreciate you watching. And if you want to support the show further, buy yourself some of our themed swag. We're now offering T-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, and hoodies for all ages, as well as cups and other accessories in a variety of sizes and colors at dialthegate.com. So if you have a Stargate fan on your Christmas list... You still have time, so uh, go ahead and give that uh, give that a check. Go to dialthegate.com for the current list of all of our um, upcoming shows. Uh, so we had Mike and Dopood today. Martin Wood will be joining us at 2 p.m. Pacific. Next week, we have scheduled Andy Frizzell, the Wraith Queen in Stargate Atlantis, on December the 3rd, Saturday at 12 noon Pacific time. Followed by State of the Gate, uh, the latest episode with Jenny Stiven and Darren Sumner. Jenny Stiven is our uh, our uh, Hollywood uh, guru. She's been in marketing since, uh, well, for a while, I'll say. And uh, she knows uh, pretty much everyone out there. And if she doesn't, she knows someone who does. Uh, so she's going to be giving us an update on where the Stargate franchise is right now based on her uh, information. And that's going to be Saturday, December the 3rd. For the Wormhole Extreme front, we're going to be doing tomorrow Broken Divide and First Commandment. That's Sunday, November the 27th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And that's over at YouTube.com slash Wormhole Extremists. Uh, my name is David Reed for Dial the Gate. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks so much to uh, Tracy for helping out in the chat uh, and my moderating team, Summer, uh, Keith, Jeremy, Reese, and Anthony. We appreciate uh, all of you uh, who make the show possible. Thanks to Frederick Marcoux at Concepts Web. He's our web developer for Dial the Gate. We'll be back in about 44 minutes for Martin Wood. Again, I'm David Reed for Dial the Gate. And I'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner. Co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith O'Mell, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo designed by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots. With contributions by model makers Chris Baker... Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com. Dial the Gate.